Welcome to The Complete Angler, your source of information on the outdoor industry in central Canada. With over 35 years in the field, host Don Lamont covers topics and issues with industry leaders and influencers to bring you up to speed on what's happening in the outdoor world. And now, here's your host, Don Lamont. Our guest today has been writing and talking about fishing, hunting, and outdoor pursuits for over three decades. He's the senior editor of Ontario Out of Doors magazine and has been with the publication for 29 years. Gord Ellis is also a longtime outdoor columnist and reporter for CBC Radio in Thunder Bay. Hey, Gord, welcome to the Complete Angler Podcast. Great to have you on, my friend. Hey, Don. Nice to, nice to hear you and see you. Yeah, we... Uh, we kind of got reunited there. It was an unbelievable trip. We all went up to Eno Lake Lodge, some old friends of us that uh, we met through the Outdoor Writers of Canada, Ken Bailey, Brad Fenson, and TJ Schwanke. That was a heck of a trip, huh? It was uh, super fun. And and after the pandemic, as you well know, like uh, actually seeing other human beings, that was a trip, you know? That was crazy. <laughs> it was like a fever. And not only was uh, seeing other people, but uh, people that, I mean, hadn't seen in years, hadn't seen you, I hadn't seen TJ, I couldn't even remember, and uh, Brad, I think, yeah, yeah, it was at least like 17 years, 18 years, like, uh, it was wild. Well, it was only fitting since we, we, we first met up at the Outdoor Writers of Canada conferences. That was eight, 89, I think. Yeah. What was the first one in Edmonton? Was that the first one? Uh, Edmonton. And uh, there was one in the Sioux. I, I think I may have met you in the Sioux. There was also one at Menaki. I don't know. Right. That's yeah. yeah. Menaki Lodge. And then uh, it's all a blur after that. Uh, and then, and then we also did Nova Scotia. Didn't you stay in salmon right. fish? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's right. Salmon fishing. Uh, uh, that was pretty wild. That was uh, an interesting experience. And that was quite a while ago too. So yeah, time flies. No kidding. So since that time, what have you been up to, Gord? Well, you know, I, I have sort of a, I have sort of an odd and varied career, and it's uh, kind of they all run parallel. Uh, I do uh, CBC Radio, which I'm still doing. I've worked for them. I'm I'm not a full time employee with CBC. I'm part time, and I've been uh, working with them since the mid '80s, Don. So. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm certainly at CBC Thunder Bay. I'm the uh, longest serving employee there now. I, I believe, yeah, for sure. And then uh, also writing. I've been writing, uh, you know, since '86, and uh, write for Ontario to Doors and senior editor for Ontario to Doors. I've done that gig for almost 30 years. I think next year is 30 years without a Doors. So that's a long uh, gig. Um, uh, and then I, the last eight years, I've been guiding which is um, a bit of a trip. Like you started guiding, right? You started your career guiding. I'm ending my career guiding. I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it you know, is. When it's... I heard your guiding, I went, oh, okay. <laughs> I know. That's not how it normally works. Uh, and uh, and I'd never thought I would guide. Like uh. it was, I had zero interest in it. And there's a, a guy named Ray Rivard who owns a lodge on the Nipigon River uh, who bugged me for years to guide. And I said, no, 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 no. And then finally I said, yes. And oddly enough, I really enjoyed it. And I do enjoy it. I look forward to it. Um, 
puts me on the water all the time. And I just love it. As you know, I love that part of the world. You know, the Nipigon system is amazing. And it's very, it's a varied fishery, primarily brook trout, uh, but uh, you can catch everything there. So yeah, I've been doing that too. And, uh, you know, and then I mix in some stuff like music and a couple other hobbies that I do. So yeah, it's been a, been a pretty uh, busy few years. Sounds like a full life. Yeah, we we, uh, we did a, a bunch of uh, complete angler shows together, Gord. Um, I, one, I one, one of the first ones that I, I did with you was uh, for those brook trout on the Nipigon River. And I know that they have a special place in your heart, don't they? Yeah. So, I mean, I started fishing for them about uh, the Nipigon River brook trout about 40 years ago. But I, I mean, I, I grew up catching brook trout like the first fish I ever caught when I was a toddler basically with my dad was brook trout and uh, we have phenomenal brook trout fishing right in, in the city of Thunder Bay so I'd fish a uh, creek called McVicker Creek which I still live close to it's only five minutes from where I live right now um, and so I fell in love with brook trout early and then the Nepigan brook trout when I was probably in my early 20s I started fishing for them and the, and the interesting thing Don is that back then the fishing was not good it was terrible for brook trout because uh the, the regulation was you could keep five any size so everybody kept every fish they caught and plus the uh the river had uh, has three dams on it but in those days there was no real control over the water fluctuation so it would go six feet in you know the course of an hour sometimes so you know the, the uh, spawns were failing uh there was tons of erosion there was all sorts of problems so over time a lot of those got worked out uh thanks to um some uh, work through MNR, a guy named Rob Swainson was really involved with it. Um, and uh, now the fishery is phenomenal and uh, world, it's a world-class fishery and, you know, the world record was caught there. So I, I get to spend a lot of time there and, and actually enjoy some of the fruits of all that work is to, you know, to see these brook trout and, and introduce people to them. That's what I love about guiding, I think, is seeing people catch uh, you know, their personal best brook trout and get really excited about it because people travel from all over the world to do it. So, so yeah, I, you know, that's a big part of it for sure. Well, it is really an exciting fishery. And when you get, you know, a three or four or five pound brook trout in your hands and you just look at this beautiful animal and you go, wow, it's, yeah. what, what a spectacular fish. Yeah. And each one's different. That's uh, the other thing I love about them is that they're, uh, they're like snowflakes, you know, like they're all different. And uh, that's, uh, yeah, so I just find it very appealing. And, and, the, and the area is beautiful too. Like uh, the Nipigon is one of these, I mean, it's very accessible, you know, high, you know, Trans-Canada Highway rolls right over it, but uh, it's still a pretty wild place. And, and Lake Nipigon in particular, which you've been on, mm -hmm. is, is still wild and, you know, it's protected. So it's not being developed. It's, uh, it's one of these huge cold water lakes that really, uh, sort of has managed not to be uh, to be spoiled. So if you want to experience that uh, brook trout fishery with Gord, you can get a hold of them at gordellis.com. Nice website, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, some folks in Thunder Bay uh, called Digital Mammoth put that together. Don, my web, my old website sat there for 16 years gathering <laughs> dust. <laughs> you know, like the pictures, I looked like I was 12 years old in them. So. It was time to uh, it was time to update and, and you know one of the things about the pandemic I don't know if you found this is that there was a bunch of things that I've been meaning to do that uh, I finally did because I had some time to do it you know I actually I was forced to do some you know not just that but a bunch of things that I you know needed to do should have done that I finally got to do and that was one of them it was uh, 
was uh, redoing my website. And mostly I just handed it over to these uh, young web designers who actually know what they're doing. And uh, they did a great job, I thought. So, uh, yeah, thank you. It was. Uh, yeah, it's great. So one of the things that the pandemic impacted me is that um, I had just written my book and just released it at the Winnipeg Boat Show. And this was the first week in March. And as you know, everything basically went haywire right after that. Mm -hmm. It was coming down right at the boat show. And, and I was actually nervous shaking hands with people. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, and so it kind of had to put a kibosh in a bunch of the, the tours I had in my book. But uh, mm -hmm. but we all survived. And like you, Gord, I, I, I did spend a whole bunch of time during the pandemic writing and doing things that I needed to catch up on. So yeah, in that yeah. way, it was good. And now all hell's breaking loose. I, I wanted to talk about one of the trips that we have. It was a very special trip. We went out to the West Coast to uh, uh, Shearwater Resort, which is south of Bella Bella on the mm -hmm. West Coast, halfway up. And uh, we, we got out on the, on the water. There was a, finally a calm day. And, and the guide says, hey, Gord, Don, let's go out to the, right to the ocean. And we ended up having a spectacular half day of fishing. It was incredible. So we're trolling cut plugs and all of a sudden, like we're taking turns on the rods, your rod bends over and a spectacular Chinook came to the boat. It was over 40 pounds. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that day was unforgettable because as I recall, I mean, you, I, what was yours? 46 pounds or something? It yeah, was... I think it ended up being 48. 48. Back uh, it was, to back you know, though. Yeah, exactly. And the guide who was a very experienced guide. I mean, uh, I think he had like guided John Wayne. Like it was just, anyway, he said this was the two best fish he'd ever had in his boat. Right. Yeah. Like think about that guy guys on the water, however many days a year for 40 years or whatever. And uh, we just happened to get the two lightning strikes uh, that day. Uh, it was uh, phenomenal. And I'll never forget looking at that uh, Chinook that you caught and it's eyeball it was like double the size of a toonie, you know, it was, uh, looked like the, the, uh, size of a beer bottle bottom. It was so big, yeah. just immense. And you could barely hold it. Right. Yeah. That was a spectacular. I think both of us ended up holding it at the end there. Wow. Yeah. That was yeah. great. Well, yeah. That was, about... uh, I think that was the same trip where, uh, the giant uh, halibut uh, kept us tied up for a couple hours. Yeah. That was quite a story. We, uh, I think you had it hooked in the tail or something. And, and I don't know what it was. Yeah, just, we, it, we fought it for two hours and then we couldn't get it up. So we tightened the drag right down, put it in the rod holder. And that was the end of that. <laughs> yeah. The guys, the guys basically said, you can fight this all day or we can go fishing. So yeah. um, it was, uh, yeah, that was an incredible trip. Uh, I love the West Coast. I haven't been out there for a while now, but um, that, okay. uh, that was a good time. Let's talk about some of your awards, Gordon. Congratulations. In 2018, you were conducted into the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. Tell us about yeah. that experience. That must have been well, uh, that must have been special. It was well, it was um, for starters, it's not something I ever thought would happen or had any uh, it wasn't even on my radar. Um, there's this guy named Jay Dampier who's from Nipigon. And he actually uh, He's a professor and he was a big CBC listener and he moved to Wisconsin. And when he went to Wisconsin, he went to the museum, the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame Museum and checked it out. And, uh, and then he sent me a message. He said, hey, Gord, you know, I've 
moved to Wisconsin, whatever. I'm working down here. And I went to the Hall of Fame. He said, you should be in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, Jay, that's really nice of you. You're a super nice guy. You know, like, I really appreciate you saying that. But, um, you know, I don't think I don't see that. I don't foresee that. And he said, well, I'm going to do the paperwork um, for you. And all you have to do is uh, basically get me two or three people to sort of sign off on it. And I said, well, you know, Jay, that's super nice. But, uh, you know, you don't have to do that. Anyway, he went ahead and did it. He, uh, he put my, basically put my CV together, uh, grabbed a bunch of articles and stuff I'd done, wrote a really nice cover letter, contacted a couple of people that I work with um, and put it in. Uh, and I guess the first, the first year I didn't make the cut. And then I think they put you in for another year or, or two years. Anyway, second year I made the cut. So, yeah. So in 2018, I, uh, was inducted into the freshwater fishing hall of fame. And it was primarily for my work in conservation and, and, and writing and education. Um, uh, Donna was a super humbling experience to, uh, to go through that and to, uh, and to get the plaque and to go down and, and uh, yeah, just be honored. You know, was, uh, again, nothing I ever thought would happen. Didn't, it wasn't on my radar in any way, but uh, there you go. Well, let's talk about the one component that you don't really uh, get recognized that much for Gord is uh, the things that you do with education seminars and all, all the different appearances you do. Yeah. Well, that's just part of the job. Um, and uh, and I know you, you've done tons of them too. It's just, uh, and I especially, um, I've, as I've gotten older, I especially love working with kids and um, talking to kids about angling and, and um, sort of inspiring, inspiring them to angle um, for all sorts of reasons. You know, like, uh, I mean, I was super lucky to grow up in a fishing household, but a lot of people don't have that experience. Um, and, you know, to, so talking about why fishing's cool and all of the, the neat things around it, you know, one of the things I always loved about fishing was, yeah, I love catching fish, but also, I mean, all the things you see, you know, like, um, you see nature at work, you see the frogs eating the bugs, you see the importance of clean water, uh, of wild places, you see how everything works, works together and 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 how humans impact good and bad fisheries so all those things you know i try to get across when i talk about fishing and uh, i love it this uh, this past year one of the things the pandemic did just like we're talking right now here on this zoom call um i was able to uh, do calls with kindergarten and grade one classes on zoom to talk about angling oh, cool. and the, it was super fun and and this was something that was set up by the school board they they um they just basically approached me and said, would you be interested in doing it? And I said, absolutely. And I think I did five or six of them. Uh, but the kids were so excited about talking about fishing and they, you know, and, and, and the possibility of going fishing and, you know, they want to know the biggest fish you ever caught and, you know, and all that's good stuff. But uh, just to see the enthusiasm of youth for angling in the outdoors, it was, uh, it was inspiring to me. So, yeah, I love doing that. And that's been a big part of my career and still is. Um, I'm happy to do it. And, you know, I do other seminars too. Like, you know, well, I haven't right. done so many uh, public seminars in the last, you know, in person. I kind of miss looking at people in the flesh, but yeah. uh, I guess yeah. that will come again. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing, Gord, that we both have in common. I, I don't know how many seminars I've done to the various levels of 
various grade right. levels. Uh, I've visited almost every school in Manitoba. And, uh, you know, what a big trend was becoming. Um, fishing was becoming very popular again with young people. And there was a lot of fishing clubs at schools mm -hmm. in Manitoba, high school and uh, junior high as well. And, and, you know, some schools had like 150 members in their in their fishing club. So it, it was becoming very popular. Now, unfortunately, the pandemic just put a, a bit of a kibosh on that. But you touched on the other thing when you when you go out and you educate people and you talk about the the effect uh, man has on the resource, good and bad. Let's talk about climate change a little bit because we're just having a crazy year as far as weather is concerned. Yeah, yeah, I you know, um, and it has been uh, it's been a very this summer's been very sobering to me because and to a lot of people just because. I, we're seeing it. We're seeing it in real time. What's happening to our our uh, our climate, and it's not normal. Like this is not normal. If you've been around, you know we do get extremes heat. You know it's cold heat, but this summer is relentless, and uh, it, we're in a drought. Um, unbelievable. Like it's hot here today again. Like outside, it's like thirty degrees. It's been like that for two, three, four weeks. You know our our all our forests are burning. Um, it's, it's very scary to me that this is happening. And, and, um, I, I don't know about you, but I feel, uh, I, I feel helpless. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, like the horse is out of the barn a little bit. I mean, we can, there's obviously there's things we can do, but, uh, it's, it's frightening to, uh, to see the impact also on fisheries. It's, um, you know, dried up creeks and, uh, and, and, and cold water fisheries, which I love. Brook trout need cold water. I mean, I saw the warmest water I've ever seen on Lake Nipigon a week ago, 70 Fahrenheit on the surface. Wow. That's that's soup for Lake Nipigon. It's normally like 55 Fahrenheit, you know? Um, and it scares me to think what that means. So I was supposed to go on a fly-in uh, outpost trip with my family uh, this upcoming long weekend, but uh, we had to cancel it because uh, Jackson's outposts, all 14 were closed because there's a fire mm -hmm. ban. Uh, travel ban in the backcountry. So, I mean, here here's a situation where there's lodge operators come out of a pandemic. Now they can't even open when they can actually put, you know, people in their places, but they can't because of climate change and, and all these forest fires and the heat and everything. It's 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 like a double whammy. It's incredibly. Yeah, I, yeah. I and, and you know, and, and I don't um, I don't pretend to have any answers to what can be done. I, I think we're just we're going to be seeing some changes here in the next um, decade that uh, will be unprecedented, and um, and things are you know I, I mean it's going to change every part of our life, but it's going to change fisheries um, and what you know and, and I imagine we'll see some changes in regulation uh, to protect certain fisheries because they're going to be coming under uh, pressure that is beyond you know human impact it'll be uh, natural impacts you know warmer water uh, less water yeah i don't know it's uh, it's been very very odd to be I, I mean i've been hotter this year in the boat done than i think i've ever have i was out on the nipigan river two weeks ago it was like 40 celsius with no wind i just felt like an egg in a frying pan you know yeah. <laughs> it was in it was unbelievable. I said, this can't be happening on the Nipigon. You say I'm freezing. I wear a toque in July, you know, yeah. and uh, it was unbearably hot. 
Well, I was up at Tobin and we, we had to, we had to quit by two o'clock in the afternoon. It was unbearable and there was so mm -hmm. smoke. So the air quality was bad as well. Yeah. So it was a double yeah. whammy. Anyway, let's talk about something a little more positive. Let's talk about your writing career. How did you ever mm -hmm. find your passion for putting word to paper or to computer paper? Yeah. Um, so I always liked to write even when I was a kid and you know, I, I wasn't the greatest student necessarily, but I do remember, you know, when I get my report cards, my parents would be going over them, you know, terrible math, terrible, whatever. English was always a strong point, And the teachers would say, uh, you know, Gordon needs to focus and whatever, but he, he's able to express himself. And so I guess that was the start of it. And, you know, it's, a, it's sort of a long meandering road to where I ended up. But in the mid 80s, uh, there was uh, an advert ad in the Thunder Bay paper for what they were calling an, ed an editor of a fishing magazine. <laughs> well, I didn't know anything about editing. I could write a little bit and I had no idea. I like, I've never been great at business. And, um, and this, this was an all encompassing job. Anyway, I, I took, I actually applied for it and got it. Uh, and then I learned the hard way in a year, like how much I didn't know about the, uh, the business. But it, it got me interested in it, and I started uh, sending uh, articles to other magazines, like real magazines, uh, and they bought them. You know, and I look back at some of that stuff, and they and and it's pretty, uh, it's not that great. Uh, but they, you know, whoever was editing at the time saw something in the writing that that they could work with. So. Um, anyway, I'm forever uh, thankful and grateful to those people who, who uh, took a chance on me and uh, it ended up having a pretty good career, you know, um, and still doing it um, all these years later. But nothing I ever planned again, Don, like there was there was no plan to become an outdoor writer. I read, you know, I read outdoor magazines like I'm sure yeah, you did. Um, I didn't think you could ever make a living at it or anything like that. That wasn't... Uh, wasn't ever in the in the plan i thought i'd be a teacher or a biologist or something but yeah well, ended up having a having a writing career and a journalism and a journalism career too which is something i never thought i would do is journalism and that's that's been a big part of my career too when i had ken bailey on the show a friend of ours mutual friend yeah. and you know the uh, hunting editor for outdoor canada we talked about that and to encourage young people to to submit stories and see what you can do. You don't have to be an English major to be able to tell a story. And um, I mean, most of the most of the writers we have in Hook Magazine, they're, you know, they just have a passion for the outdoors, right? And and they can tell a story. And I mean, we can help them, you know, we can help them improve their writing. And so it's just a matter of like anything else is encouraging people to be involved in the outdoor industry. and. I mean, that's one of the great things that uh, Linder Media do. They, they hold seminars about how you can make a living from the outdoor industry. And, right. and we certainly try to do that and encourage that in this part of the world. And um, there, is, there is a living to be made there. And it doesn't have to be a writer or doing seminars. There's a wide variety of things that you can do in order to do this full time. Well, we're seeing the change with, uh, with YouTube. Right, um, the YouTube aspect of outdoor communication is huge now, and 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 that's only going to get bigger. And of course, social media has changed the landscape a lot too. But you still, there still is a desire for um, 
written word, wh wh whether it's in you know a magazine or in a newspaper or online, uh, there still is that um, there still is that interest and that hunger to actually read a story and to to get information that way. And I don't think that will change, but uh, obviously video and uh, and all the other things that are going on. I mean, we're in a time of transition. We have been for a while. And I, I mean, what I do has transitioned. I know what you do is, is change. And, you know, that's just part of how things work. You know, things don't stay the same forever. Um, but there's uh, lots of ways to, you can guide. You know? Exactly. <laughs> there's still, people still want to go fishing and, uh, and be guided. And, and uh, you can design uh, products and, you know, there's a, like I am still amazed that every year that there's new products that come out, like it's just unbelievable after all these years that there's new stuff that shows up, you know, that's related to fishing and, and of course, boating and, and fly fishing too, right? Uh, fly fishing is huge now. It is. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because uh, both of us have, have changed and uh, adapted over the years to, you know, produce what is needed. Like, I guess the, the catchword in the industry is pivot. You know, the mm. pandemic made a lot of right. people pivot. We were right? pivoting. Yeah, yeah. We we're pivoting. So, I mean, <laughs> that's one thing that I had to learn as uh, as the editor at Hook, both the, the media side and the magazine side, is social media. And, you know, get the word out there. And so it was a whole new learning curve for me. But again, if you want to be successful in this industry, you have to be able to adapt. And that doesn't mean you have to be on everything, you know, like I don't see myself doing TikTok videos anytime soon, you know, like I don't think I'm going to be like freestyle dancing or whatever, um, or on a skateboard drinking uh, cran apple juice or anything like that. But uh, if you're not, if you're not on some, if you don't have some kind of social media presence, you're missing a bunch of people. That's the big thing. Like there's a whole, there's a whole generation there that you're, you're uh, several generations. And, and, you know, just to be clear, like my dad, who's 83, he's on Facebook every day, right? So it's not just kids. And, you know, I mean, Facebook skews older, but, you know, there's Instagram and, and uh, those are the two big ones. You have to have some kind of presence there. Doesn't mean you have to spend all your time there. But if you have, if you have products that you're trying to get out, whether it's a story, like, you know, I, I when I work for CBC, I write web stories, uh, online stories that go with the radio stuff. Well, I post those online stories on my Facebook feed and it's amazing how many more eyes end up seeing it, right? It's just, it's just part of the game and um, just do it. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the highlights of your career, but when I was going through your website, one of the things that struck me is the story about how you saved those three um, anglers uh, in 2009. Maybe you could tell mm -hmm. the story about that a bit, Gord. Well, yeah, so... Um, Again, it was on the Nipigon system, and I was—I wasn't guiding or anything. I was just out fishing with my dad and my uh, oldest son, Devin. And it was July. It was actually about this time of year. It was end of July, uh, so you know, pretty warm and summery. And we went up to a section of uh, Lake Nipigon that's fairly remote, and fished up there. Um, we'd seen these guys with a 12-foot at the launch putting in and they were going camping. And I remember thinking like, wow, they kind of look like these guys weren't small. Like they were big dudes and they had all this gear and they were in a 12 foot. So anyway, um, we put in, went fishing and uh, fishing was not good. So came back early, never, almost never come back like at 
12 30 one o'clock whatever so coming back down the lake i saw something off in the distance at first i thought it was actually a deer in the water and then i looked again and it was a hand there was somebody waving so like just the weirdest feeling it, you know just everything changed when i realized what was going on it was just like okay this is just a whole different thing so we get over there and there's these three guys in the water hanging off a boat uh, one of the guys completely catatonic he's just barely there other guys hanging on can't say anything and then one guy could speak um and i'll never forget this yeah i i rolled rolled up in my boat and asked him if he was okay and he said you're not going to write about this are you <laughs> <laughs> i guess the first thing out of his mouth oh. anyway uh we uh so we got them to shore um got their clothes off put you know some warm clothes on them and amazingly and don this is this is the thing like i you know, you hear about miracles every once in a while. This was a miracle. Like, there's no cell service up on Lake Nipigon. Like, it's just doesn't exist. My son, I didn't even own a cell phone then. This was 2009. I had no cell phone. My son had a cell phone. He got through to 911 up there. And uh, to this day, like, I don't know what happened. He got through to 911. We said, we got these three guys in the boat. We're bringing them back to the launch. They're in rough shape. Um, anyway, we got them back there. The ambulance was waiting. Uh, they went off to Nipigon Hospital overnighted. They were all okay. Uh, but um, I guess the police, the OPP and, and the Red Cross um, nominated us for life-saving awards for doing that, which by the way, anybody would have done. Nobody wouldn't have done what we did. Like that's just what humans do, right? But um, yeah, so we got a bunch of awards, life-saving awards for that. But there was a couple things reinforced. One was my huge respect and uh, cautiousness on water, especially um, places like Lake Nipigon and Lake Superior that are big and scary. And it was flat calm that day. There was no wind. If there had been wind, we would have had a problem and they would have had a problem. The other thing is uh, life jackets. I mean, uh, I've worn a life jacket, a PFD steadily since my kids were small, but that just reinforced it. These guys did not have life jackets on. They didn't have life jackets in the boat. There was one hanging off. Um, uh, so yeah, so PFD is always, I wear an inflatable PFD all the time. And I'm, I'm extremely cautious when it comes to, uh, to water and uh, even more so as I get older. So what are some of the other highlights of your, of your long career in the outdoor industry? Uh, you know, I, I've, I've been lucky to, uh, to meet and work with a lot of my heroes and, uh, and you know, um, uh, like even Dan Gapen. When I was a kid, Dan Gapen to me was like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know. Um, he he grew up in Nipigon and uh, his dad, Don Gapen, had a lodge there and uh, Don Gapen created the Muddler Minnow on the Nipigon River. So to me, Dan Gapen was and I've met Dan Gapen several times and interviewed him. And when I was at the, uh, the Hall of Fame induction, he was there uh, with his partner. Um, and so I, you know, and just, uh, and, and people like, even uh, in Ontario Doors, a guy named John Kerr, who, you know, who passed on by the way, John uh, passed away last year. Uh, John was the fishing editor for Out of Doors for years. And I mean, like to me, John was, again, he was just like this, uh, legend and i got to work with john for 20 odd years at out of doors you know so it's funny how things turn out and um i, I think those were you know just meeting people through the industry over the years i mean obviously the all lenders and all these people who are amazing humans right like 
and and talk about resilient right the the lenders are the most resilient in the industry like they and and cutting edge too you know and, and ron like ron was always awesome to me <laughs> you know he was always he didn't have to be i was just you know a punk nose guy from thunder bay but always always interested and always awesome and yeah so it's that's always been to me that's always uh, been one of the things i love the most is to meet people uh, who are respected and and um, learn from all special people that's for sure gord well i'd like to really thank you for uh, coming on the show today and it's it's great to finally get to see each other uh, a couple three weeks ago up at Eden lake uh, 20 some years since we been able to visit and uh, hopefully it won't be another 20 years i hope not and, and don I, I like thank you for um introducing me to uh, a lot of things in the in my you know through my career like a lot of i learned a lot from you uh, when we uh, worked together and all those tournaments we did we survived you know <laughs> we, we survived a lot of tournaments together <laughs> yeah, lot, it was a lot of fun yeah for sure well, thanks, Gord. Take care and don't roast in August. Okay, thanks, Don. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. Visit hookedmagazine.com to subscribe to The Complete Angler and never miss an episode.